Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Test, test, test. Okay. Here we go again. Ephesians chapter 4, in case you lost your place and your mind. And You know, someone told me a few months ago that they love this church because we don't pretend to be, like, you know, fake. <laughs> so we're claiming that promise this morning, Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. We're called to walk differently. We're called to walk differently. Paul says you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in verse 17. Or some of your translations may say you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. What about you? What about you? Do you see your life now as radically different from the way it once was? Do you see your life as radically different? You look back on your old life and you go, the Lord has, has saved me. Or maybe, maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Maybe you're a child here right now and, and you're saying, Pastor, I haven't had too many wild experiences. <laughs> but what about you? Could you look back on your life and think about how differently it could be if you didn't know Christ and you didn't grow up in a Christian home? Do you see that claiming to be a Christian means that you are are claiming to live a life differently than the world will show you? The world will say, as the philosopher Stephen Tyler said, walk this way. But God's word calls us to walk differently. Do you see the call of the Christian life to walk differently? And back in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4, we we saw this concept of, of our walk. The walk is one of the many words that the Bible uses to describe the Christian life. A follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus, is someone who walks with him. And so our walk refers to our whole manner of Christian living. The way we talk, our obedience to God, the way we treat others, all of it. Those who are in Christ... We have been redeemed by his blood, and we belong to him, and so we're called to walk worthy. In other words, we're called to live godly lives. We're commanded here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, to walk differently. There's a better path. There's a different path. That there, there's, there's one better than the path that leads to destruction. We're to live differently as Christians, and that means... We walk differently, not as the Gentiles does, or a pagan, or a non-Christian. We don't walk that way. A new life means we have new standards. We have new ways that we treat people, new ways that we live our lives. And so here in this passage, verses 17 down to verse 24, we have a, a very practical message of how we live the Christian life, how we're to walk differently. Paul describes this as putting off and putting on. The Christian life is about putting off unrighteousness or putting off sin and putting on righteousness, putting on holiness. And then after he gets done talking to the Ephesians about that, starting in verse 25 all the way into chapter 5, he's going to give us very practical ways that we put off and put on. The way we live our lives. This is, a, this is kind of that two ways paradigm 
for Christian living that we see in the Bible. We read about one in the Old Testament this morning from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord every day. These two ways, this putting off and putting on. And once you become a Christian, you're called to walk differently. We cannot profess faith in Christ and it not change the way we live and it not change our walk. To be a Christian is to live a new life, to leave the old one behind. We're to love the light and shun the darkness. We're to think less of ourselves and more of others. We are to die more and more into sin and live more and more unto righteousness. And so the pattern that is set before us in this section, in this, these words that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he, he has doctrine for them. He has, he has teaching, he has truth, and then he applies it. And this is the pattern that we see in Ephesians and really all throughout the New Testament. Doctrine, then application. Teaching, then how, do we, how does it affect our lives? Both are extremely practical. We cannot go for one over the other. Doctrine and application go together. Right doctrine dictates our application. And so in this passage, Paul takes us back to doctrine. And here, really, what he's talking about is the doctrine of, of total depravity. This teaching, this idea that man is lost and dead in their sin. And without hope and without God, except for the sovereign grace and mercy of God intervening into someone's life. But, you know, just talking about total depravity, the the doctrine of sin, evil, telling someone that they must no longer live the sinful way, rather they're to live a godly way. This is not a popular teaching in the church. And it's certainly not a popular way to teach the love and grace and mercy of God. In general, no one likes to focus on negatives. No one likes to be discouraged. And we certainly don't want to hear sermons on the negatives. Because we're told by popular Christian culture, right? We must be positive and happy, happy, happy all the time. But many of us know this is not the experience of life. There are negatives. And so the tack that the Apostle Paul takes here, he he starts with the negatives. He states, do not be like this. Do do not be like you once were. Do do not be a a Gentile, a pagan. A a Gentile was a non-Jew, someone who did not have the privileges of the covenants of the promises. But he's talking to converted Gentiles here. And so he's reminding them, now that they are Christians, that they must no longer live like a godless person. Do not no longer live like a Gentile, someone who does not know the Lord. That that is what a pagan does. That's what a non-Christian does. And so why does he do this? Why does Paul teach like this? Why does he... Show the negative first. Well, the pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones aptly said it like this. He said, it's not enough to tell men and women in a world like this and in the flesh simply what they are to do. We all know perfectly well how inadequate that is. 
We must be taught first and foremost that we are not what we are not to be and not to do. The idea that if you hold the ideal before men, they will at once conform to it. It has been so completely disproved by the history of the m- mankind and the human race that it's almost incredible that anybody should still believe it. Here we are told first of what we must not do. So that's what Paul puts before us. A Christian is one who no longer walks as a Gentile. In other words, a Christian is one who no longer lives as if they do not know Christ. To truly walk differently, to truly live differently, we must understand the old life, the non-Christian life. We are looking at the negative so that we can recognize it in our own lives, primarily, and then be sure that we walk differently in the way we live the Christian life. So to be sure, what does the non-Christian life look like? He gives us really four things here. Look there in verse 17. A non-Christian is futile in their thinking. Futile in their thinking. Those who do not know God are are futile in their thinking. There's no direction. There's no purpose. There's no meaning to life. There's, There's no fruit. All is vanity. Futile thinking means to be morally and intellectually worthless. There's, there's no point. There's no purpose. Paul explains it this way in his epistle to the Romans. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks, thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. The chief end of man, we know, is to glorify God and to worship him. That is our, our purpose That is our calling. But one who lives life in futility does not know this and does not acknowledge this. That is the way we must no longer live. Secondly, he says a non-Christian is is darkened in their understanding in verse 18. Their way of life is dark. It's evil. It's shut off from any form of godliness. Godliness. They only understand things from their own sinful hearts and the world's view and not from God's perspective. Again, Paul elaborates on this in Romans chapter 1. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Those who are darkened in their understanding, there's no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Because they are darkened in their understanding. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's not a core part of who they are. That is the life of a non-Christian. Thirdly, he says a non-Christian is, in verse 18 again, alienated from God. Paul is saying to the Ephesians that the unholy way of life that he is describing is the way that a godless person would live and act. You've been saved from this, he says. And so he's, he's commanding them. He's very passionate in the way he addresses them in verse 17. I insist on this in the Lord. He says, do not live as the heathen do. Do not live like a non Christian. Your life has been changed. Walk differently. Live a life in Christ. Not a life separated from God. 
He's pleading with them that a godless life is really no life at all. And so fourthly, he teaches in verse 19 that a non-Christian is desensitized by licentiousness. Desensitized by licentiousness. In other words, they have no feeling, they have no sensitivity to sin. They just indulge in it more and more. Those who do not know Christ, those who have no interest in walking differently, they're living a life for pleasure only. What a warning to us if we're living life for pleasure only. Someone who does not know Christ, he says, is calloused. They're hard. Hard to reason with. Hard to understand. Hard to... Hard to know the things of God. The godless life, he says here, is obsessed with sensuality. Desires for things that the world offers. Constantly craving and lusting for the sensual, for for pleasure, whether it be food or money or toys, anything sensual. Just more and more and more. Those who have hearts that are alienated from God... They indulge in and practice every kind of impurity, he says. There's this constant greed for more. So think about it. He's trying to remind them, this is what life without Christ is like. And we're to avoid it. We're to walk differently. And at the same time, he's teaching them about sin. He's teaching about them about the sinfulness of sin. He's showing them that the only way for a darkened soul... To continue in this state is to continually have more and more sin. There's this constant feeling and stuffing of the heart with sins and lies. Trying to stuff out the light any way possible. And this is the worst thing that can happen to someone, is it not? It's the hardest thing for us to witness in someone's life. That they become so calloused. It's so hard to the gospel that they no longer feel that they've been given over to their sin. There's no, there's no filter in their lives. They have no conscience. There's only this continual lust for more and more sin. And Paul says this is what it means to be desensitized by licentiousness. There's no longer any feeling. There's no longer any remorse. There's no longer any repentance over sin because there's so much greed. There's so much impurity just being stuffed and stuffed and stuffed. And they learn this truth that hopefully many of us have learned. Sin never satisfies. Sin never satisfies. There's always going to be a continual craving for more and more. The only for someone, the only way for someone to walk in the darkness is to stay there. To do everything possible to stay in the darkness. So the more hardened and sinful a heart becomes, the more sin is needed in a person's life to, to fill them up because sin never satisfies. This is the life apart from Christ. This is the this is the non Christian, Paul says. This is the life that you must no longer live. Those who are in Christ must no longer live this way or walk 
this way. And so essentially what we're learning here, the the negative that Paul puts before us, is the, the call to walk differently, which is essentially the call to live a holy life. Our Christian walk matters. We're called to live holy. It's just as important to see what we've been saved from so that we know what we've been saved to. This is the life that we've been delivered from. But all this negative, all this negative, where's the good news? Where's the good news? The good news of the gospel is found in the words in verse 17. No longer. No longer, Paul says. You who have been saved, you who have tasted the glory of God, you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you must no longer live this way. And what he's going to show us, in a sense, is the gospel undoes all these negatives. The gospel makes all of these negatives of verses 17 through 19, he makes them positives. Because those who are in Christ, those who know Christ, no longer have a meaningless life. They have a life of purpose in God. Those who know Christ are no longer darkened in their understanding. The light of the gospel is shown into our lives. Those who know Christ are no longer alienated from God. Is that not the best news? You who were far off have been brought near to God, he says in chapter 2. Those who know Christ are no longer to give themselves over to sin and filth, but rather we give ourselves over to righteousness, serving and loving God. I don't want to minimize the struggle that comes from living the Christian life. I don't want to minimize the, the struggle that comes with a changed life, with walking differently. It's hard. As the millennials would say, the struggle is real, y'all. It's real. But praise God that He's with us. Christ is beside us. He is before us. He He has gone before us. He has endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, and He has given us His Holy Spirit to empower us to walk differently. And so for you this morning, brothers and sisters, will you choose to walk differently? Will you follow the way of Christ? Pastor Richard Phillips says, if you are a Christian, you need no longer live as you formerly have. Indeed, you must not. May God help us to walk differently by following Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are, we are weak and we are unable to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And so we, we ask you, we, we beg you to please strengthen us and help us to no longer live a godless and and meaningless and futile life. Help us to live for Christ. Help us to walk as he taught us. 
Help us to bear fruit in our lives so that we may be assured of our calling. Thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to know this truth and to live out our calling. We praise you and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.